Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Coach Unplugged. I'm so happy you decided to join us today. Before we jump into the podcast, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish. The number one shoe machine on the market. We own three of them. And I can tell you personally, even before they came, became sponsors, their customer service is second to none. Um, you know, every time I've had any issues with any of my machines, going back to the way old ones, they've always taken really good care of me. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com. Oh, and mention, uh, mention us and they'll give you $450 off. Mention Coach Collins or Coach Unplugged, they'll give you $450 off. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Um, you know, we always tell our players that they should be working on their craft. I challenge you to work on your craft. Come over, join a community of like-minded coaches who want to make this game better. It's the reason I started Teach Hoops is to help pay the bills for all these podcasts, but even more importantly, to give back um, to this great game that has given me so much um, and to set up a roadmap for you to be successful, not only on the court, but off the court. And we offer a 14-day free trial, so come over and check, kick the tires around, see if you like it, and uh, let's head off to the podcast. So I found out I was moving here, and I um, sent an email to basically every school within 45 minutes of Harrisonburg and just said, if you need a JV coach, if you need an assistant, if you have a head coaching job, whatever it is, I'm coming to the area and I want to coach. And um, I got an email back from a guy who's like, basically their coach had just walked out and had just quit. And he's like, I think we have an opening. I flew out from Colorado to interview and, and got the job, um, at a, a public school here called Turner Ashby. And I, I, you know, they had not been very good at basketball. They had had one stretch in the early two thousands where they were, they had a, a good group come through, but like I think at the time they had not had back-to-back winning seasons in like 20 years and right some of that sort of stuff. So, but you did, but for the young coaches, you did, you, you, you took the initiative on this. This thing ain't going to drop in your, I mean, I remember when I was doing, I took, 
I took a, a a book that had every state, every every um high school in the state of Wisconsin. I said, I want well, I'll, I'll 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 send one here. I'll send one here. I'll send one here. It's like yeah, you you got to do some dirty work if you're going to do this. Oh, like, absolutely. And yeah. I, I mean, at that time, I had only been coaching four years. Now I felt like you know poker poker players now can get really good when they're young because they play online they play seven or eight tables at one time versus in the old days you have to sit there and you know play in person so the amount of data and and learning that you get can be so accelerated now I felt like I'd only been coaching four years but I was coaching two AAU teams in the summer like a seventh grade and a varsity plus coaching the freshman team during the season, you know, plus being a varsity assistant. Like I just felt like I had 15 years of experience in four years. Right. Right. Well, that's how I tell young coaches, go coach. Like you want to become a coach, go coach and coach as much as you possibly can. You have to be in the seat, making decisions, taking bullets, dealing with parents, like losing, learning, doing all of that. Um, (laughs) So, but when we made the decision, honestly, at that time, I had been coaching four years and I had sort of stumbled into a pretty good situation at Boulder and with coach Schultz, where I felt like, you know, because of his experience and because he was the one that was saying that, you know, I'd like for Chad to take over. I had a good chance of getting it, but I knew people that have been coaching for 20 years and couldn't get a head coaching job. So I'm like, the reality is if we move to Virginia, I'm probably not, I'm probably right. not going to ever coach. Right. I'm going to try, but like, I didn't expect to, to get a job with four years of experience. Right. Um, but I, I, and when they asked me to fly out and interview, it's like, I said, okay, I mean, I, I definitely am in on this and I'm not telling you, obviously you can't make a decision until you meet me, but I want to make sure I'm going to be very seriously considered if I'm flying from Colorado to Virginia to interview, like, and they're like, yeah, it's, you know, it's, you're basically in our final three. So, um, so I took that job and we were not very good the first year. I mean, we were five and 18 with the varsity team and the JV team was two and 18. So we were seven and 36 combined. And I had just left a program where we went to the state championship. We had Mr. Basketball on our team. So, and I had coached that team in the spring, summer, and fall. They all played on my AAU team and we went 77 and 17. So I went from that to, you know, a very good, right. And we had, at the time, we had 53 D's and F's on a roster of 24 kids. Like we, like we just were not getting it done off the court. We weren't getting it done on the court. And I had to make a bunch of difficult decisions. I had to clean house a little bit and I had to get, you know, like put a lot of effort into the younger kids and get like an AAU feeder system going and all that stuff. So one of the things I'm most proud of as a coach is that next year we were 14 and 12 and the JVs were 16 and two. So we went from seven combined wins to 30 in one year. Right. And both teams started off four and oh. And so how do you think that happened? Other than just, you think it was the cleaning the house? You think it was the AU? What do you think for a younger coach listening? What do you think that was? Well, 
I know what it was and it was, I mean, it was just grunt work. Like literally it, we were running what would almost be like an elementary level. I mean, I had kids that couldn't pivot. My best player like caught the ball in the high post and I'm like, you got to turn and look opposite. And like, he would just twist his body. Like he didn't know how to even pivot. So I started and I'm, I'm glad that I did this. I can't believe how much it's helped me, you know, now. And I coach pretty good teams now, but even still some of that stuff has helped me just learn. I mean, I developed all my own finishing drills. I developed a bunch of footwork drills. I developed a bunch of shooting drills. I dove into the mechanics of shooting a basketball, which I found to be extremely similar to, to swinging golf club. Right. In a lot of ways. And like what you feel isn't necessarily real and all sorts of things that, uh, that really became my mission was to, to teach people to shoot. And so, yeah, I kind of went down that path and I mean, the bottom line is I had kids that were willing to be coached and they were willing to show up every day and do the work. I mean, it wasn't any magic wand. It was just, we would lift for an hour, shoot for an hour and play for an hour every single day. Lift, shoot, play, lift, shoot, play, lift, shoot, play. (laughs) And eventually we got to where we were pretty good. So yeah, starting off that, that second year there, um, both teams started off four and zero, so we won eight games, which was more than we won the whole previous season combined. And we went to the regional tournament; it was the first time in like twelve years, and did all sorts of good stuff. So, and we broke the school record for three pointers that year, and then we turned around and broke our own record the next year, um, where we won right. fifteen games. So, yeah, we had a pretty good four-year stretch there. I had a kid who um, was in seventh grade when I got there that was, they had him as a post player on the seventh grade team, just cause he was the tallest kid. He was like six two. Right. And the kids, the kids basketball IQ and, and everything in my mind, he was a point guard. So I, how I wanted to develop him, which led to some disagreements with the middle school coaches because they wanted to plant him under the basket, you know, <laughs> they wanted to win games, which is a horrible thing to do at that level too. Yes. It's like, come on. So then out here in eighth grade, you can play JV. So we moved him up to the JV team as an eighth grader. And I told him like, you're going to play point guard. And he said, well, like, what if we get pressed and I can't get the ball up the floor? I said, then you're going to have a long year. I mean, you better figure it out. Like, right. And he did get pressed and he did have games where he had 10, 11 turnovers, but he was long and he was a big guard in my mind. And I liked that he could see over the top and, and, you know, do some things and, he was just the kind of kid that I felt like if he was our best player, everyone else was going to, we had a chance to be special. Right. And he got uh, a division one offer his freshman year, which was the first one in school history. He ended up playing division two and he's, he's a senior this year, like having a great year, yeah. you know, great career at the D two level. But that really changed our program. And, um, it was a variety of things that led me then at that time, there was a local D3 school that was really good called East, it was Eastern Mennonite University. I worked okay. at Eastern Mennonite High School. They're not right. affiliated in any way. Really? That's I mean, they, they like that. I guess that would be a poor things that like, but they're not like 
they're not together. They're not the same institution. Right. Um, yeah. They're separate people. Different people are running them basically. Yes. Yeah. But we're all one campus here in, okay. in similar philosophies. So the coach there, um, they were nicknamed the running Royals. Um, they were like top 10 every year in the, in the country with like points scored and like they played very, very fast. And I'd gone to their team camps and I'd go to their practices a lot and really developed a, a relationship with the head coach, a, a gentleman named Kirby Dean. Um, and he had, you know, talked me into come to Eastern Mennonite and being his assistant. So it was, it was a tough decision to leave to leave uh, Turner Ashby because I just kind of turned that program around. Right. So what did you, what was your takeaway from the time as a head? <sighs> like, well, I mean, I loved it and I wanted to be a head coach. I, I knew there was going to be more joy in that for me than being an assistant, but really I'm from Indiana and high school basketball is king and is difficult for me to be in a place where it's kind of like, oh, you guys are good. That's cool. Like, you know, maybe you right. can keep it going. But as long as, you know, we don't have to really, as long as you don't create any problems, you can be good. Right. But <laughs> we had some situations where like kids, started wanting to go in the summer into our team camps and wanted to do stuff in the fall and maybe not play football. And it, you know, we were a baseball and a football school first and foremost. And the, the interesting part of that is that my first year, believe it or not, my first year here, it's not that long ago at Turner Ashby was the first year in Virginia that coaches were allowed to do anything in the off season. Okay. That had never been allowed. So I come in, I'm having these open gyms, we're going to team camps, we're doing all this stuff. And then some kids were sort of defecting to basketball and it made it to be like, well, that's because he's, you know, doing all this stuff and talking them out of, you know, playing other sports. So I learned a lot about the politics of coaching <laughs> during that time and how, like, it, it was in a town that like I wasn't from there and I was never going to be from there in some people's eyes. And a lot of the people that I was interacting with and, and maybe in some ways having issues with, like they went to school there, their kids went to school there. They've like, they're lifers. Right. You no. Know? And um, rather than have any of that, like I didn't feel like we could continue to be successful because of some of the limitations that were being put on, my program because we were becoming popular within the school. I just didn't, it wasn't a situation I thought would be positive for me. Right. I, I think I, well, here, first of all, there's a lot, there's a huge difference between the 12 inches on that bench. Sliding <laughs> uh, down 12 inches is a big deal. Um, As Bob Knight says, it's the difference between suggestion and decision. And that's a big <laughs> My, my, one, my, one of my first assist, my first JV coach, basically he stayed from with me for a really long time. He basically told me it was the best job in the world. We'd won a couple. He goes, I don't have any of the headaches you have, Steve. I have none of the, I mean, I get all the glory. It's great. Yeah. Um, I think, and this is just me. I think taking a head job, even if it's sometimes not the perfect fit, you learn a lot. You got to be willing to, you know, try to find that 
that perfect fit. But, um, you know, <laughs> there's lots of things you can do to get ready for that first job. But until you, it's basically like you got to get thrown in the deep end. You got to get through it. You got to get through it. And yeah, I don't, it's not very often. I mean, usually jobs are open for a reason. Right. So if you're yeah, sometimes just, it's sometimes it's because like when I retire, it's gonna be open because I retire. That's yeah. cool. But there, yes, there's usually a reason. And you got to do a little I always tell coaches, do some dig deeping into why, you know. Yeah. 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 So I mean, I was willing to take any job at that time. Um, and for the school, so the the guy that was my AD, he had been the coach for 18 years. So it, this, okay. the program was kind of his baby. And then um, his assist, his longtime assistant took over and had it for four years and it didn't go very well. And I think people were pressuring them to get someone outside of their network. And okay. they were like the only school in the area that didn't have AAU. All the other schools kind of had AAU feeders. And so that was something I had just built in Boulder. Um, it was called the Boulder Blaze, and I mean, we were we were doing really well out there. So, yeah, there were a couple coincidences I think that led me to being a good fit. One of them was I wasn't from here, and people were pressuring them to let's get someone else like outside. You, <laughs> to be honest with you, that you were willing to fly in is like crazy. Like, yeah, well, I'm from Indiana again. Like, <laughs> it's, it is what it is. No, I mean, um, it, it'd be, it'd be interesting in the, in the post pandemic world, if they'd make you do that. Yeah. I don't, I, you could zoom now. I mean, there was no good. So when I, when I got, when I applied, cause I applied for when I moved and got to where I am in Madison, they wanted to do a zoom call. It wasn't as called that at that point. And I said, no, I'm flying. I was at grad school out in, 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 in New Hampshire. I said, no, I'm flying home to do the interview. And the reason I did that, here's the reason I did that is I sell myself better in per. I mean, you can only do so much via this flat screen and in a zoom. I knew if I got in that room, I got, I got a shot. Like I can sell myself one-on-one with people. Um, So you got to kind of know yourself a little bit too, but being you being willing to do that and then being there like, six feet from them is a big deal. I think. Yeah. I think that probably went a long way in showing them the passion that I was going to bring to the job. And right. I'm like yeah. you, I mean, I would have jumped in the car and driven all night if I had to, I mean, <laughs> right. I'm a golfer. That was, I'm a nomad. That was my thing anyway. So, um, cause I, I need to be in person and that I'm not afraid to say, um, at, you know, I don't want this to sound cocky, but it probably will. But I also felt like I was interviewing them and right. that I needed to be in person and look them in the eye to you see. Also wanted to see I also wanted to see what the town, I mean, I was from Madison. I wanted to see yeah. what it looked like, the area around it, like how are, you know, what's the, you know, I, <laughs> you'll love this. With I, I drove around to see how many basketball hoops I saw on driveways. Right. Yeah. And I wanted to walk into the gym and see what it felt like when I walked in there, what's hanging on the wall. Do they take any pride in it at all? Like a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 One hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's really important. Um, So so then you were the assistant at the, at the college level for a while then. Yeah. So um, I was an assistant for three years for coach Dean at Eastern Mennonite. And we um, in the, the, 
the ODAC conference, which is the Old Dominion Athletic Conference. It's a Division Three conference here uh, in Virginia and in Carolina, like surrounding areas. I mean, it's kind of like the ACC of Division Three. It's a very, I mean, Randolph-Macon is the best team in the conference, and they've been number one D3 team in the country, I think maybe three out of the last four years. I mean, historically, we have, like, top five nationally ranked Have they won it? Uh, well, they haven't had it now for two years, I guess. So they had, Ronald Oshkosh, the we I would put the I'd put the Wisconsin league against them any day, probably. Yeah, the, on par, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah the we at well, look at all the you know the the Whitewaters, the Platteville's, the uh, um, Oshkosh. I think won it two years ago. Yeah, um, yeah. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they, um, I mean, to really to be. <laughs> To be top six in the ODAC, you need to be top 50 in the country. It's kind of, yeah. So I, I learned so much about basketball and it, it really, Coach Dean um, was the perfect person at that time for me to, to work for because he taught me so much about how to deal with all the other things that a coach has to deal with <laughs> yes. that are not basketball related. <laughs> And it was just, it was like getting a PhD in the politics of coaching and dealing with people. And I mean, I loved the recruiting aspect. Um, obviously loved coaching at the college level. It's, it's insanely high level. So were you in charge of recruiting? Um, I wasn't really in charge of any, like we did, we all sort of did it all. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, we would have little, little areas that were kind of our areas to recruit. And because division three rules allowed me at that time to run an AAU program. Like when we were, when uh, Eastern Mennonite was not in season, I was allowed to run an AAU program and coach it, okay. which if I was a division one or division two assistant, you could never do that. Ah, uh, okay. And can, so can I knew I was going to, what's that? Can you still do that? You can still do that. Yeah. Yeah, so I my I started my program, the Virginia Blaze, which it was the Boulder Blaze in Colorado, and now we're the Virginia Blaze, um, and it's going really really well. We've put a bunch of kids, you know, in college at the next level, and um, like we've been having a really good spring. Like I said, we won a, a hoop group event, which was like a national event um, just a couple of weeks ago. So, um, but I knew I was going to be in the gym all summer recruiting, so I might as well have a team. Right. <laughs> to coach while I'm there. And I missed being an assistant. I missed having that head coaching. I missed that role. And for me, that was going to be fulfilling enough. If I could coach high level AAU in the summer and be a college assistant in the winter, I mean, coach Dean, I could stop practice anytime I wanted or tell him I thought we should do this or do that. And he would listen. So I was very happy. Right. Um, but after three years, he retired. Okay. So he, he, <laughs> typical of the D three coaching ranks. Um, he was offered a job to run the, the uh, County rec department, like all their sports around here. And it paid him significantly more than what he was. Making. People don't realize being a division three basketball coach. I trust me. I make more teaching yeah. math than they do being a D three coach, to be honest. For sure. I mean, there are some that make six figures and do really well, but there are, um, but they're, but they're, 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 they're the, they're the, they're the, the outliers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that. If you want to support us, you want to help us get the lights on here at teachups.com, go over, join, 14-day free trial, and then stop the car, subscribe, like, Apple five-star review. That would be good. All right. Maybe. Have a good day. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.